Welcome to another episode of Pakistanomy. Today we're going to talk about Pakistan's financial markets, which most often people pay attention to when it's hitting record highs or record lows. To talk about why these markets actually matter and why we should be paying attention to them and a whole lot more, I'm joined by Bilal Moon. Bilal has been working in the equity markets for over a decade now and currently manages investments for a private business group based in Pakistan. Bilal, welcome to Pakistanomy. Thank you. It's good to be here. So let's start with the Pakistani stock market. Is this a good time to invest in in the equity market in Pakistan? I know it's been on a tear and has been going up a lot after a pretty rough few months. So tell us a bit about what's going on. Well, to answer your first question, it's always a good time to invest in Pakistani stocks. And yes, uh, we've done well over the last few months. The market and the benchmark index is up around 50%. from its low from its lows in august so yeah it's been a good time it's been a good recovery after two dismal years uh, can see some uh, happy faces again uh, around the street <laughs> yeah i can imagine and people's bonuses are looking up again i i just wanted to get a sense you've been in this market for a decade and you've seen highs and lows uh, my view at least from an outsider's perspective has been we see like a boom and bust cycle very similar to what uh the pakistani macro economy faces every few years what's your sense of why does the stock market also go through these crazy rallies and then it just goes down and hits record bottoms all the time what's your sense of the cause and effect of this well i think uh, the stock market does uh, discount what is happening in the economy so you know naturally the index goes up and down with that and but every crisis has uh, some different aspects to it so you know there are different sectors which respond differently to different crises so i don't think uh, it's a, it's completely you can say that the stock market has been doing boom and bust over the last many years the stock market is just following a proper business cycle uh, investment and uh, it goes up it goes down but if you look at it from a a time period of you know decade or 5 years is still done well Mhm. And and so just for those who are maybe not experts in the financial market and maybe wondering how a share price moves or how an index moves up or down um particularly in Pakistan like there are obviously fundamentals and there's anticipation or speculation that we may call um in your sense what moves the Pakistani stock market and causes shares to rise or fall It's basically the earnings earnings of the companies and that's a major uh, reason for any share price to go up or go down and naturally the index follows on the other hand as any other market uh, you know liquidity drives uh, uh, the share prices as well if investors are uh, risk are getting in the risk averse more than you know you will see that the index drying up the volumes drying up and naturally the prices would fall or like Indeed, the, during these days, uh, the everyone wants to get into the stock market, so liquidity is, uh, you know, doing well. So people are getting into mutual funds, uh, direct equities, and corporates, and all sorts of organization want to get a piece of it. So you know, the share prices are going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's and, the, and from as simple as it can get. Okay, and and so you know, often we'll see in the media or reports coming out that you know. speculation or there's some insider trading or some shady stuff going on in the market is that just media trying to create headlines or is there some truth behind it because 
you know, often, at least when I sit in the U.S. and talk to people about, you know, emerging or frontier markets in general, Pakistan being one of them, um, they always hesitate around issues of transparency, around uh, their views on whether, you know, can we trust the data coming out of this market and, oh, people are just speculating too much. Uh, what would you tell people who are outside looking into Pakistan as a equity investment destination? Uh, and, and it's a it's a good question and uh, I would answer it by first saying that you no know, insider trading or any sort of speculation happens in every market in the world. It's just that in developed countries it's mostly hidden through different kinds of uh, transactions or complex products but it happens everywhere. Uh, you can uh, you have many cases in the US you have many cases in other developed markets as well where people get caught of uh, you know uh, caught for you know manipulating prices or insider trading or rigging the LIBOR uh, rates and all that sort of stuff so you can uh, you read all of that uh, from every market so Pakistan is no exception and so uh, as far as that is concerned, I think people uh, usually make more out of it uh, for some odd reason, but I don't see that as a major impediment into investing into Pakistan. Uh, of course, uh, you need to do your due diligence, whether you are in USA, Timbuktu or uh, Pakistan. So, you know, do your own research. Buyers, uh, buyer, buyers should be beware. You know, all these sort of stuff are applicable in each and every market of the world. So, you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because I look at the U.S. and we have Bernie Madoff, for example. We have the LIBOR uh, crisis that you mentioned and books have been written about it. Yes. My question to you is, what are the key sort of uh, insider trading scandals that you look at over a decade in the Pakistani market that you've seen? And that you look at and saying, oh, this was quite crazy, even by Pakistani standards or by global standards. Well, nothing really particularly uh, comes to mind. Uh, there are different sort of transactions happening each day, which you can, uh, to be very fair, uh, speculate that, you know, some kind of uh, shady uh, stuff is going on or this is insider trading that is going on. But uh, as far as the regulator is concerned, uh, there hasn't been much of a case or developed case or someone who has been caught like really red-handed doing insider trading. There are one or two off incidents coming in every every year or so uh, as far as the regulator is concerned, which where they say that, you know, there's a, there's this particular transaction has been flagged and all that. So some little uh, small or big uh, small cases do uh, run uh, over the period of, you know, two years, three years, but usually die down because not much uh, evidence is av available or the regulator does not want it to be highlighted uh, in the media or anywhere else that, you know, proper insider trading has taken place. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, based on that and based on looking at wh where the market is and what type of companies are part of the market um, in the decade or so, you know, Talk to me a bit about the success stories in terms of companies that you see not only just rally when the market is rallying or come down when the market has come down, but they've outperformed the market consistently and that you look at and say, okay, even if you're within Pakistan or outside Pakistan, you should have exposure to this company because it's a great company. Are there, are there some that come to mind for you? Well, there are plenty of companies out there, uh, especially here in Pakistan, who 
given phenomenal returns to their investors uh, especially in the consumer sector i can uh, just to name a few we have companies like nestle bata rafan mace products we have mizan bank we've got mariburi for those who are interested and companies like packages colgate so you know like companies like uh, nestle have given uh, an average annual return of about 21% over the last uh, 10 years and this doesn't include any kind of dividend if you include the dividend this return would go up significantly and companies like bata have are up around 7% uh, annually last decade rafan mace product uh, or mariburi uh, you would be surprised to hear that it has given an annual average annual return of about 24% over the last 10 years and and mari i've always found very interesting is it's you know it was in the economist a few months ago as well as like a success story out of pakistan because it's ironic in a country where alcohol is banned and it's very it's not legal in many instances or in most instances that the company like mari is doing well um what's the driver for their growth um and these outsized returns <laughs> well it's the beauty so there is demand in the market and, and people uh, end up and, uh, finding it and and the import substitution that our finance minister and yeah. the state bank governor goes on about so there you have it the prime example of uh, import substitution now. right he they, they every policy maker should be talking about mari brewery right as a key success story for import substitution in pakistan like look it's like above 20% returns employs a lot of people um it has a lot of investment in the country um but of course it's the islamic republic of pakistan so we can't really talk about such examples a lot um so talk to me about Other sectors, there are other sectors which I would like to uh, highlight as well, especially uh, considering the situation that we are in right now. Uh, you know, over the last uh, five years, you've visited, you must have visited Pakistan or Karachi and seen you know, how traffic has increased, uh, and you know what sort of wait times you get on the on the traffic lights. Oh yeah, I hate driving in Pakistan now. I just carry my Uber. Especially, uh, you know, if you've been to Karachi, you would have seen all those trucks company, uh, trucking uh, businesses and trucks uh, going around the city and clogging up the space. So, just to give you a perspective, uh, there's this company called uh, Nissan, which makes uh, manufactures trucks in Pakistan. Its uh, its share price is up sixteen hundred percent over the last ten uh, years. Wow. And, and this is excluding dividend yield correct this is excluding dividend and and consider also this that the market went down uh, considerably uh, during the last 2 years and the stock went down 50% and it is still up 1600% wow wow and, and so is this should we uh, link that to cpec and the china pakistan economic corridor and its benefits as a result or what what do you think is driving this type of growth uh, c you you can uh, link it to cpec uh, but primarily it has been local uh, local manufacturing uh, demand especially cement uh, which has been we've had multiple cement expansions over the last uh, decade in this country so cement needs to be transported from one uh, corner of the country to another and uh, another major uh, reason for trucking business to grow in pakistan is that uh, we've got a non existent uh, railway logistics railway system so every everything needs to be transported on uh, trucks here in pakistan 
so naturally it uh, you know the you know we've had major chemical companies we've had major food producers uh, who need to be uh, you know get their products uh, into lahore into peshawar into kashmir so mm-hmm. we need all these trucks uh, in their uh, in their kitty yeah and and i i want to go back to something you mentioned and you just like uh, i don't know on on uh in the past comment like papered over this the situation in the country as you called it um how do you see the situation in the country as someone who is in the markets every day investing uh trying to look out for these companies that are outperforming uh the the economy um how do you see the situation given that pakistan is in another imf program for the time being and there are obviously policy challenges uh on the horizon well uh, it's tough it's very tough and investing here in pakistan is uh, is not an easy business you see uh, global uh, markets uh, like us or even in neighboring countries like india people are you know m- more focused on what the companies are doing what the sectors are doing where the demand is coming from what sort of foreign investments is coming into their uh, respective countries but here we are mostly looking at uh, uh tv channels 9 uh, 9 pm shows of uh, regarding you know what the politicians are going to say next and uh, you know what uh, what sort of uh, new uh, stupid uh, comment that would come out of uh, uh <laughs> any of those uh, people running the running the show so you know this is not easy i would uh, ra- rather be focused on uh, you know proper uh company fundamentals or the technicals of the market rather than you know uh, wasting my time on just listening to politicians the entire day yeah and i mean that's the that's the problem right because there are people who uh, on average want to learn more about what's going on substantively in the country not just about kiski medical report aaj aa gayi ya kiske platelet upar hain ya kisne kitne ki chori ki for those who don't speak urdu i'm talking about some of the recent developments in terms of people's health in opposition and uh, who stole how much money um and my view has always been you know people actually want to learn more um and the goal behind even this podcast was that i got a lot of people saying we need to listen more about the economy and learn about what's going on um so i agree with you like if you watch those television channels uh day in day out because television is the one of the few forms of entertainment in the country it's like everything's coming to a to a crisis um but there are things going on uh that are good so i know you said it's tough in in doing business in pakistan particularly given what people continuously talk about where do you see opportunities um beyond the financial market we can talk about uh just across the board uh where do you see pakistan going in terms of the opportunity landscape well to be very honest i see that the opportunity is in the tech tech sector i think we've uh really ignore the sector as a as a country and our politicians have literally missed the boat mm. with this sector but uh, there's always spend on that tell tell me a bit more why do you think they've missed the boat well uh, particularly regarding uh, you know there is news uh, all over the country that you know we've, we've not been able to get a, even a small payment gateway going in this country and you know all these freelancers or tech companies are uh, facing massive uh, problems getting investment into the country 
with getting investment out of the country, getting funded, and you know, getting oh, their overall uh, structures uh, correct. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, we should have uh, worked on this. Should the policy should have come like ten years ago, focusing on the tech sector. India has been a prime example uh, regarding you know what what how they've progressed over the years from you know, just providing call center services to making properly manufacturing uh, IT components and giving out uh, complex IT services as well. Yeah, I was just going to mention India. And when you mentioned payment gateway, like uh, essentially payment gateways for the listeners who may be wondering what that is, essentially the trunk line, think of it as the highway that allows you to have digital transactions through your cell phone or through instant bank transfers, etc. And so in India, it's called the unified payments interface. And I was going to mention that because it is a great success story of that country, right? Where um, today you have companies like PhonePay, WhatsApp uh, is about to enter, PayPal is there, where you can go to a Chaiwala and use a QR code on your smartphone and pay him for Chai uh, without needing cash. And that's possible because of the UPI that has been built over there. And it's not rocket science. Am I correct in saying that? That it's quite a simple technical achievement that other countries have done. And it's not that... Like it's like Pakistan had to invest billions of dollars to develop something like this. Am I wrong there? No, I would uh, say that for just common sense. Yeah, common and, sense. and, <laughs> and uh, we've uh, as a country we seem to be missing a lot of a lot of common sense uh, when doing the right things, right? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And so one of the questions I had, I put it on Twitter that I was talking about the financial markets and someone. Um, asked about, you know, venture funded startups, you mentioned the tech sector, um, that they don't bring currency into Pakistan. It's very difficult for them. And freelancers obviously are a part of that. Um, the question here was, why is the State Bank of Pakistan and Pakistan in general unfriendly to common sense business legislation? Um, I don't have a good answer to that. But given that you're my guest, I'm going to ask you and let's take a crack at this. Why is this? Why are we so unfriendly to logic and common sense? I think it has to do with uh, institutional development. We've had uh, over the last many years, uh, governors in uh, heading the State Bank of Pakistan, probably not knowing what uh, what they're supposed to do. And uh, if you look, if you look at some of their background and you know see where they've come from, you would realize that uh, you know these guys would have no clue regarding you know what is supposed to be done. Uh, as far as uh, you know, managing uh, ease of business or looking at venture uh, easing uh, entry of venture capital into Pakistan and all that sort of stuff, a lot of uh, qualified people in these institutions were uh, you, know, uh, you know not listened to. Their reports were uh, not read upon. I know many uh, people in these organizations who presented really good smart ideas over the years but no one really uh, you know trusted them or no one really went with their with those ideas or never probably never understood you know what kind of impact this would create on the economy and now that we have a governor who seems to know what he's doing you know we see things moving in in, in the right direction so this is what uh, you know institutional development does if you bring in people from outside uh, who are not qualified for that post. It just uh, brings down the morale of the entire institution. It brings down the morale of all the qualified people 
in their institution and uh, they'll probably wait a year or two but after that they'll look at uh, uh, opportunities elsewhere whether it be local or abroad yeah i i couldn't agree more with you and i think one of the things also is that you know innovation is not rewarded in pakistan particularly in the policy making domain so you look at you know the finance teams coming in for example not to personally pick on him but dr afishek he's been finance minister too many times and i just for my sense don't understand why do we keep going back to the same people who were not able to innovate who were not able to resolve crisis sustainably but then they find themselves back in the corridors of power for one reason or the other i think it's it's that right that people who have the ideas are not rewarded and they don't climb to the top and you see uh, the entire institution crumble under the weight of that because you're right people will leave or they will not do the innovative things as much as they would want to otherwise because it's not rewarded and the incentives aren't there um and uh, more uh, more recently i would like to add uh, on this and more recently people have uh, you know seen what happens to those who uh, who sign on good ideas you know the kind of cases uh, are uh, you know watchdog has made on certain people and <laughs> who are you talking about let's let's we can be candid here come on bilal no who are you referring to people from uh, last government uh, people who uh, literally solved the energy crisis in the country and you know so you're who, talking about miftai smile and former prime minister shahid khan apasi and other people within the bureaucracy uh, i would not like to take a lot of names here yeah. but uh, you know they've been uh, put in jail on you know really really uh, stupid uh, cases where even a child would tell that you know this is not even humanly possible to yeah. do yeah the legal term for that would be frivolous charges right and i had a rant about this um like i'm meman i think you are meman as well miftai smile is meman <laughs> and meman's meman's like to do dhanda right and we'll get to the term dhanda dhanda means business for those who are wondering but we don't like doing politics we don't like talking about policies we like saying behind the scenes do business make some money give to charity and have a happy life and mifta saab was the guy who came out and said no let's in let's go in and try to do something and he did a lot of really good stuff perfectly ethical guy perfectly uh, nice person is someone who should be appreciated and we need more people like him uh, across the board across political parties but of then to put him in jail Yeah. and now i'm looking at i'm looking at like you know meman kids growing up who wanted to look at him as a as a role model will be like you know their parents will be like don't you dare think about this cuz look what happened to this guy right like it's it's just one of those things don't you agree yeah, exactly you've hit the nail on the head and uh, it's been a common topic uh, of conversation uh, among uh, my friends as well you know Uh, there's no use of uh, literally uh, putting your reputation down on the line and uh, getting uh, yourself associated with any kind of uh, projects which the government comes up with because you never know some uh, anyone with political agenda would just make a fake case uh, uh, and you know put you behind bars and you know you're done for you're done for life then because once you go once you go go there there's no there's no coming back as far as the reputation is uh, concerned yeah reputation and then on top like these cases don't go away like in pakistan cases can go on for 20 years so even if he's out on bail 
you can be arrested anytime when the winds change again and be like oh you had a case back in 2016 and you could be in 2050 and be like i don't like you anymore so i'm going to put you in jail for that case so i think you're absolutely right on that um i'm going to jump into the term dhanda i brought it up uh, primarily because you talked about innovation and, and you know i feel and this is my view and tell me what you think about this that in pakistan doing dhanda or doing business has become a negative term that if you make money you're successful through legal means i'm not saying being corrupt or anything but you get lumped into all of these things together as oh you're a rent seeker oh you are not paying your taxes and you know particularly in the last 3 4 years i've seen this tendency to say ke you know sab chor hain like everyone's a thief that kind of logic permeate across the board whether it's targeted at businessmen industrialists um traders um do you see that that's a big problem in pakistan where you look at a country like india or even bangladesh where doing business is considered a good thing like you're raising the economy you're raising the stature of the country um do you think pakistanis have sort of missed the boat on understanding the importance of business and markets well we like to undermine anyone who does good stuff in the country and of course businesses uh, all around the world uh, you know have some kind of activities going on which you know might not be uh, correct but that doesn't mean that uh, their entire structure is uh, not going down or is bad but here is it's the same case here in pakistan we are just a, a product by product of our policies over the last many many years businesses adapt to the policies businesses adapt to whatever the politicians or the bureaucrats uh, lay lay in front of them so if we just a by product of whatever has happened over the last many many years so if businesses uh, have been have come under uh, you know all this criticism then probably it's just because we've criticized uh, we've been criticizing our politician then it has come back to us uh, it's just a circle that has been going on here in, in pakistan so we, everyone needs someone else uh, everyone needs someone to be uh, you know someone else to put some blame on and this time around it's the businessman who not you know like they've not been paying their entire share and all that was the you know people try to uh, save money through various uh, various means and it happens all around the world but that that, that is where your uh, different uh, re- regulators and institutions come in where they make policies where they come out and uh, give confidence to the businesses that you know if they follow this certain path then they they won't uh, face uh, uh, problems uh, out there but unfortunately that hasn't been done we we have uh, uh we have uh, policies which have been favored towards one particular sector or one particular community or one particular uh, sort of a political party as associated businesses so you know when when you see uh, uh, things like that happening so you also try to uh, cut corners to some extent to try to match uh, whatever the uh, the advantage the other party is getting you know like for example if you're a businessman uh who uh you know who has like five competitors and if you two of your competitors through their association with different political parties uh, get some kind of advantage uh what do you think the other three are going to going to do yeah yeah it raised so, raised to the bottom right like you you yeah. want the same same privileges or same whatever thing. and I- so if you if the if the regulator if the government doesn't uh, provide the pro- provide a level playing field to 
businesses in any particular sector then obviously the, the equation would not balance and we will always have the situation where someone would try to match the the person who's getting the advantage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no I, i agree and and you mentioned the technology sector um being an opportunity and and uh, you know policy or common sense policies you know becoming a barrier to its growth where what other sectors do you see both in the equity market or outside in the broader economy that you see like hey this could be a fantastic place to invest in for someone like you but the policy environment is just not conducive enough uh, for growth well uh, to start off uh, we need uh, proper instruments in the financial markets to really uh, take advantage of the current uh, companies that we have okay so let let's dive deep into that right so you're basically talking about market depth um okay tell me tell me about this yeah. why is that an issue and uh, you see we've over the last uh, many years we've had like many a few ipos so if you don't get uh, new companies listing listing around so you know even if i if i am interested in a particular sector where would i go to invest in that uh, sector or any particular company associated there so last year we had two before that we had like four companies doing our ipo and then we have like few companies delisting on the stock exchange as well so uh, the government uh, the first need the firstly they need to encourage companies to get listed on the stock exchange and then we can talk about what sort of opportunities uh, we have out there we have so many companies who are doing well who uh, who are doing massive uh, uh you know top line and bottom line but they're not listed on the stock exchange like a prime example being uh, shan uh, shan masala which every uh, uh you know person living outside pakistan i i have survived on shan masala like <laughs> companies like these are not listed and the companies who uh, which are listed like uh, I, i mentioned nestle in my earlier in when you asked about market returns there's barely any free float of nestle in the market uh, if you are a new investor you would have to wait like probably the entire day to get your required quantity uh, of nestle shares and on on you know on low volume days that might not even be possible and it could take you a week or so to probably accumulate 1000 shares nestle pakistan so uh, you know as i said i keep keep coming back to our institutions our regulators you know the market uh, depth has not been developed uh, over the last uh, many years you know we are still using same old uh, softwares we are using same old uh, mechanisms uh, in the market uh, we matlab you will be very surprised to hear and probably some of our audience which uh, invest in developed market at uh, pakistan does not have a, a localized uh, uh, exchange traded fund where you have a basket of securities yes and that was a question on twitter so i think either you looked at my twitter profile or uh, you're just on we're on the same bandwidth or as the audience is so tell us why why is there no etf and why is that important to have well uh, to quote a friend of mine he said that afghanistan might get an etf before pakistan <laughs> so so uh, i i think over the last 5 or 6 years i think every 2 months i hear that you know they're doing some work on etf i don't know what what sort of quantum physics is involved in getting an etf launch in the stock market but uh, 
probably we need to get uh, some sort of spaceship going or get in some uh, phd's from uh, i don't know where but uh, we we've not been able to do it uh, because uh, pro- i i personally think there are vested interests who do not want to uh, you know get any of the products launched in the stock market where which whereby the whereby the, you know it's it makes easier for the public to invest or the general public mm-hmm. to invest. the transparency hurts the ones that are benefiting from the current status quo but before we go to the vested interest let me pull you back um about etfs and about having more ipos um tell the audience why are these things important like you and i know why they are but i think a lot of people may not know this not part of the regular debate in the media or in on television channels in pakistan so tell you know in in a few minutes to a layman explain why is a deep equity market which has a lot of ipos which has an exchange traded fund why is this important for the progress of an economy well uh, firstly uh, it gets boring if you do not have new companies uh, getting listed on the exchange you know you open up any uh, investor report or research report or any publication by the brokerage industry uh, it's the same 10 stocks they've been mentioning over the last uh, 20 years now probably so and uh, most of these stocks are now tied to various uh, issues like uh, circular debt or increase in you know gas or whatever sort of prices the government is increasing these days so you want something new to come up uh, new media or new sectors which have developed over the last many years and uh, this there's barely any of it and when an ipo does come up uh, usually it gets uh, uh, you know manipulated to a certain extent where we've seen in the last 5 years or so five or six ipos coming in where they've literally tanked uh like 6 months into the ipo and uh, never really recovered there was there was this wow meat, there was this meat company which was really hyped up and uh, i think it's still uh, doling around near its par value we had this i don't know packaging company with and uh, you know so investors uh, i've gotten hurt uh, 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 investing into these ipos uh, and uh, you know वैसे ही कम थी ipos and jo aayi hain un mein bhi people have faced general public has faced a lot of losses so you know the, the overall uh, confidence is lacking uh, within the general public uh, as to uh, you know towards the stock market and uh, you know they've made this uh, they have this perception in their mind that you know uh, it, it you know only the big boys are uh, in the market to to earn and whenever they get get in you know they usually get uh, uh, they usually get butchered on the other hand we've had a, a few successful ipos recently as well we uh, listed uh, there was a listing of uh, a textile company recently is uh, probably one of the largest uh, socks manufacturer in the world and it's a very beautiful story interloop right that's the name talking about interloop and uh, you know uh, i was very happy uh, looking at when uh, this company was listed and you know the, the kind of governance the kind of technology or the kind of uh, 
products or the kind of marketing it has done for Pakistan uh, over the years. So absolutely, a lot of companies uh, should be uh, encouraged. Uh, you know, more more encouraged to invest, more encouraged to uh, list on the exchange. Yeah, and I think at a more fundamental level, right? Like the IPOs or new companies coming onto the market, at least from someone like myself who's looking from the outside in, they're an indicator of innovation and dynamism in a market, right? So when you look at the United States and NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange or whatever, yes, it's above and beyond. It's like the one of the most developed financial markets in the world. But even there, like when you see like a Lyft come out with an IPO or an Uber or a Facebook or a Google, that shows that, you know, the economy is dynamic. It's coming up with new ideas. It's coming up with new business solutions to problems and it's moving forward. Right. And from what I gather from what you're saying is that in Pakistan, that's not there. And, you know, when the companies actually, some of them do come out, you can be an interlude, but the majority actually like, you know, burn the investor that takes a stake in them. And that's in and of itself, fundamentally speaking, is a is an indictment of the dynamism in the economy. Um, is that a fair way to put it? Well, yes, but uh, I think uh, the companies also look at uh, the overall uh, public sentiment towards the stock market before listing as well. I think we mm-hmm. need to first fix our perception of the financial markets here in Pakistan and then uh, move on towards uh, different uh, IPOs. You will be very... Uh, Surprised to know that uh, active uh, uh, participants in the market has decreased over the last two years. Wait, wait, wait. Mm-hmm. That's not possible. Pakistan has a growing population and a growing middle class. How does that happen? And what are the numbers? <laughs> now, uh, this is this would be very shocking, but I'm uh, quoting uh, facts which are coming out of the clearing agency handles all the settlement for the stock exchange that in 2017 we had about active investors around 246,000 which decreased to about 239,000 in 2018 and as of September 2019 uh, active participants with the clearing agency uh, are around 225,000 so we have a decline of 3% and a 6% decline Wait, so a country of 220 million people has active participants of about 220,000. That's 0.1% of the entire population. Surely you're lying. I I don't, I know you send me these pictures and the data, but I am shocked. Like, this is insane. So, and, you know, I've talked about it so much over the years that, uh, you know, it's just like getting punched in the face. (laughs) 220,000 people invest in the Pakistani equity market or are active. Yes. That's and nuts. Just to, just to give you a perspective, uh, there are about uh, 30 million investors in uh, in India. Wow. And uh, about 2.8 million investors in Bangladesh. So India has about 2.5% of their population investing into the stock market while Bangladesh is about 0.1.65%. Wow, we're like way behind uh, even compared to Bangladesh, which by the way is a success story of the region, but wasn't there even 20 years ago on the map. Um, that's that's insane. Uh, I'm, I'm truly in shock. So I think a lot of people who are listening in will also be 
uh, in shock. So that's the domestic another, situation. Another, Tell me. Another, okay. Go ahead. Go on, ahead. On the same on the same uh, topic uh, of these two hundred twenty-five thousand investors, which are registered with the clearing agency, I think about fifty or sixty. UINs, which are unique identification numbers of investors, only fifty to sixty UINs generate about eighty percent of the market volume every single day. Wait, so each so two hundred twenty, there are two hundred twenty thousand UINs, correct? Yes. And you're saying sixty of them are responsible for what eighty percent of the volume? Almost eighty percent of the volume generated by. So then that makes sense this whole theory that you know a small group of people run up prices and run down prices and speculate that's where it's coming from essentially is that it's a very thin market it's it's 50 people can change the dynamics like even if 10 of them collude then the market moves in a direction that is you know could be any in any direction they want well this this number does include a lot of uh, our institutions like mutual funds and banks as well yeah uh, we have about uh, Three hundred thousand investors in our mutual funds, okay, and which is greater than the number of uh, active participants in the, in the stock exchange, which are you know through mutual fund they are invested into the stock market, but uh, even then, uh, if you compare it with India, so India has about eight million investors in their mutual funds, and how many do we have? We have about zero point three million, so three hundred thousand versus uh, wow, eight million. So okay. You're. I make you the finance minister or the economy czar today. Let's say I have that power. What would you do to make this number rise? How do you? How do we get there? How do we get on par? Not forget about India. How do we get on par with Bangladesh? Even? Well, first of all, I would uh, make sure that each and every uh, news channel has a dedicated show towards economy every single night, whether it makes money for the media channel or not. uh just to give you an example i i was uh, browsing through channels in india they have like six or seven channels dedicated towards the economy business talks and all that uh you can call in you can take advice from various financial gurus out there who've been investing over the last 25 years they'll tell you beautiful stories about companies and all that you know uh i was telling and, you and, from- and I'll, i'll halt you right there like the, the thing that came to my mind was even if you look at the fintech space we were talking about digital payments earlier um in india you can now actually use that same digital payments company to invest in mutual funds which is nuts we're not even there yet but go on sorry for the interruption yeah. so you know uh, i would uh, like to make investing very simple and basic for uh, uh a lot of people out there you should you know tell them you know how you, they can identify different opportunities which uh, uh which are a part of their daily lives uh, you know they they're using uh, uh toyota cars they they're using uh, bright uh, uh you know washing powder they're wearing clothes of different companies which are listed they they're wearing shoes of bata which has done phenomenally well and uh, you know every every eid we go to bata to buy different uh, uh, shoes we we buy uh, uh, shoes for our uh, kids every time there is a school season so you know these are the all these companies have, are listed on the stock exchange they are all welcome to invest but uh, mostly the horror stories are told on the on the media and uh, 
you know uh, just to give you another story out there uh, i think uh, our, our the first ever asset company in pakistan is uh, that was created was nit and their first ever fund was ni national investment unit trust uh, i was looking at some numbers out there and i think since 1965 they haven't missed a single dividend mm-hmm. and uh, i think if you had invested like uh, 100 100 rupees uh, in 1955 when the fund uh, was created probably you would have about 200000 rupees right now wow that's amazing and and i mean i think that's another i agree with you the education bit is important right because the financial news that i see on pakistani televisions is about oh let's people are buying dollars because there is the currency is about to depreciate and yes you a part of your portfolio may be currency hedging which is totally fine in a prudent way but if you put that money in let's say a company that's returning 100% over a decade uh or 1000% some of them that you mentioned over a decade or 25% kegar like mari brewery um setting religious sentiments aside but companies like that you would actually be making a lot more money than just buying dollars right but the education isn't there um so people don't know so you will start with education on television what else would you do well after education you need to promote uh, the overall investment culture in the country as well uh you must have heard about you know your uh, people in your family or friends you know who ek committee banate hain apni theek hai na and you know i have seen people uh, you know investing or investing to nahi keh sakte usme saving through these committees wo 3 3 4 4 saal ki committees dalte hain yeah and it's a group you know pool mein aap ek paise dalte hain and you know you get much the same uh, amount that you've uh, contributed like after 3 or 4 years or whatever time period that committee uh, has decided it's essentially to- a randomized lottery but it's like you pay into fully into the lottery and you get the full amount back right so there is uh, so within that the structure there is no uh return on investment there there is no inflation hedging and all that uh, yeah the return is negative right if you're on the short end of the stake where you're being paid in year 3 guess what 10% inflation year on year you actually lost money in this exactly so uh, you know we need to uh, actually uh, develop this culture within the country that you know there are different uh, venues of uh, investments i know a lot of people invest in uh, gold uh, you know especially considering that hamare uh, culture right to save gold save in gold mm. for, the, for the children you know when they supposed to get married and all that theek hai to theek hai gold has done really well over the past many years and it's a good good hedge against uh, the currency devel as well but uh, recently yahi hua hai ke when you when you you know jab aap gold lene ke liye jaate the so there was no questions and all that but Uh, usually a pakistan mein ye ke when you go to open a bank account like you know 10 other people uh, start questioning you you know where did you get this money from and this and that so all these sort of questioning and kyc has made uh, a lot of new uh, people who were supposed to come towards the banking sectors or towards formal investments uh, shy away they were you know they're not really comfortable in sharing all that information and this is supposed to do with our overall culture that you know uh, education वैसे ही इतनी नहीं है and you know if someone starts asking all the sort of questions and with all the legal jargons so usually some someone even wants to start uh, investing or even you know uh, 
uh, it as basic as open up a bank account you know he's like okay i'm i'm happy with uh, you know buying a bar of gold and keeping it under the mattress uh, for how yeah. till my uh, you know daughter gets uh, to the age of marriage and i'll just gift it to her and then it's her responsibility yeah yeah so yeah no i think that's important right is the the institutional and cultural shift that's needed um is there a tax element to this because uh, a couple of folks uh, at least uh mentioned to me that you know dividends are taxed and the capital gains tax etc discourages um uh transactions in this space or depth of the market um i don't know much about it I, it's something i've heard i wanted to get your take on do you think that's a barrier in the market or not really well uh not really you will be only paying uh taxes uh, like if you make money right so yeah. even if you invest in any kind of banking product or deposit products you are paying taxes and you know to be very honest you know our country uh, needs those tax monies right now and hmm. if you are generating any kind of wealth and if you are making any kind of income so you know it's natural to uh, pay taxes and uh, you know we've uh, over the last many years we've had these schemes where investors were encouraged to invest into a market and uh, where you know there was no capital gain tax or there was very slight tax tax before but uh, i think uh, uh, you know i think it's natural i don't see that as an impediment uh, there was a lot of uh, you and cry where 3 4 years ago when isagdar uh, did bring in uh, or increase uh, a lot of these taxes but uh, a lot of investors felt that you know as long as uh, you're making money you shouldn't uh, be you know uh, shouldn't have any problem in paying uh, taxes yeah especially if you know there's only 220000 of you that's like are participating in the market it's a very small club um uh, and secondly you know there are a lot of foreign investors in our market as well foreign corp- corporates also uh do contribute uh, on a daily basis uh, in our market activity so you know if they are earning so they, they should be paying taxes as well since they are paying taxes in their in their home countries yeah so going to the foreign element really quickly um we at least in the news i remember a few years ago when cpec was at its peak and there was chinese interest in buying the stock exchange etc um have the chinese you know followed the infrastructure investments uh, into the pakistani public equity market as well or do you think they shy away who are the foreign investors by you know if you want to club them by nationality well it's mostly uh, funds from united states Uh, united kingdom or you know they're based in hong kong or singapore or all these sort of places which are the financial hubs of the world we've got you know all these massive uh, asset management companies like uh, blackrock uh, templeton all these household names uh, in, in in us and then we've got all the big uh, global brokers as well who participate here in pakistan like jp morgan credit suisse and uh, you know asian brokers as well like clsa which okay. quite active these days got and, it uh, you know as far as our overall market capitalization is concerned uh, i think our market capitalization currently is about 50 billion dollars and i think uh, foreign investors uh, or foreign 
companies uh, own about uh, 33 about 30 to 33% of our entire market capitalization so foreign interest is a, is a, is, a, is a massive uh, in here in pakistan and it's natural uh, compared to uh, because uh, you know if you compare our um, you know basic fundamentals to our neighboring countries uh, or to or other developing countries or countries which are clubbed into the emerging market category you know pakistan stands out among all of them you know even if you look at basic uh you know matrices like dividend yield pakistan is like pakistan uh, is currently pakistan market is yielding about 6 6.5% while india is around 1 1.5 and brazil is around 3.3% uh, a, a very popular matrix which uh, a lot of investors look at is the price earning ratio mm-hmm. pakistan market currently is trading around 7 a multiple of 7 while india is trading around 20 Or 22 multiple. Wow! So we have a long way to catch up, and yeah, it's undervalued. Yeah, we have a very, very long way to catch up, and uh, I think it's just the, uh, you know, uh, just about you know how we manage our perception. We just need to make the right noises out there. Make sure that our capital market, uh, you know, is up to date with all the new products which are coming out there. I mean, developed market got ETFs like 20, 25 years ago, maybe more. I don't know. but yeah, uh, yeah we still uh, you know lacking uh, behind that etf is a is a very basic product you know forget about options and all that you know india has a fully developed uh, capital market they've got various products so you know when you give uh, you know uh, a sophisticated investor a chance to invest and you when you've got a lot of new products so naturally they'll you know uh, they'll be more interested in getting uh, the capital into that uh, country but uh, so but uh, traditionally uh, you know uh, uh, speaking uh, uh, you know uh, pakistani companies were you know liked by people like emerging market uh, legends like uh, uh, mark mobius who was a very uh, famous name in emerging market investment and uh, he uh, made sure that uh, you know one of our biggest companies or our biggest listed company oil and gas development company of pakistan was 5% of his fund at at one moment in time wow yeah he just used to love uh, investing here in pakistan especially because the kind of dividend yields uh, uh, we have here which have uh, succumbed to uh, the the circular debt phenomena uh, yeah uh, but we're still paying uh, good cash yeah, you just need to search uh, a few companies out there and they'll still be yielding 8 to 12% uh, if you look hard enough and you know you know daily market movement you always get a chance to invest in these kind of companies our average return on invest, return on equity here in pakistan is around 18% which is like really really uh good yeah. and which can only be compared to like vietnam in the in the same category uh, and uh, you know vietnam is like growing phenomenally phenomenally and to compete with them on return on equity these days is, is i think is a massive uh, is a massive feat Yeah so that's a testament to the fact that the Pakistani corporations at least the ones that are listed are phenomenal businesses returning money and are really profitable so the foundations are there is what i'm gathering from you it's more about how do you go to the next level how do you develop sophisticated processes products technologies that take the market to the next level where it can be even better have even more exposure um and continue to grow i want to go back to um 
something that is has been on my mind and i want to get your view on this given that you are in the markets um there's been a lot of talk i don't know if you saw atif mia's thread a few days ago about foreign debt inflows um the whatsapp group we are on uh, there was more data that came in today about foreign debt inflows into the market um what's your view on this is this a good thing bad thing for pakistan neutral how do you see foreigners putting money into pakistani debt markets well uh, i think now we've reached a level of around 2.9 billion dollars uh, where foreigners have invested into our debt uh, markets uh, and it was what about zero if you go back 3 years i don't i don't remember foreigners uh, investing much into our debt markets ever like yeah it's a very new phenomena and uh, you know but uh, you know i think uh, uh, there's a there has been a lot of talk about it but i think it's it's uh, it's okay till the point where we it doesn't threaten like our overall system like i think we are at around 2.9 billion dollars right now i think maximum we should go till about 5 or 6 billion dollars in short term uh, in short term products uh, after that uh, i think that uh, the, the foreigners should shift towards our long term uh, uh, long term bonds uh, especially the 10 year ones which will give us a lot of stability yeah. but it's a start uh, they've, they've started testing the waters uh, far as our debt market is concerned and uh, i think it ha- it has uh, got a lot to do with uh, how the the new team at the state bank is managing our exchange rate and how they've been able to uh, you know uh, you know use the the managed exchange rate uh, you know philosophy or whatever you want to call it and you know the and and make people understand that you know the it, it will be managed to a certain extent and uh, but uh, state bank won't go overboard with protecting the currency yeah and i think that was a great decision i mean there was a lot of criticism again on the media where these things are only talked about when there's a crisis um and my view always has been like you can't have an overvalued exchange rate particularly when you're trying to grow your economy and and use your reserves for something other than keeping a fixed exchange rate so i think that the debt flows that have come as a result i I agree with you that they're moving in the right direction we need to turn them over to longer term tenors and and but again for an investor to come in uh first you got to give them the least risky option right and then wet their appetite and show them that there's money to be made here and go to the next level yeah, so of course i mean uh, ideally we would want uh, fdi coming in into long term projects that would that's the best uh, yeah you but uh, right now beggars can't be choosers too yeah there's a long way to go to promote fdi i think it's a whole different conversation we can spend a couple of hours on um uh you've been in this industry for over a decade um what advice would you give to younger pakistanis who are in school thinking about finance careers um uh, what would you tell them how do you get into this market but not only get into this industry but um Uh, become successful what are two or three tips for them first of all uh, get off tiktok <laughs> <laughs> and uh, start reading start observing what's happening around you and uh, you know start challenging the norms you know, whatever has been told to you may not be correct as far as uh, the economy as far as the overall business structure in pakistan is concerned or you know get 
away from all the all the you know old uh, professions which uh, have been there or which your family has been doing over the last many many years uh, particularly you know more people here in pakistan are interested towards banking nothing against bankers and all that but you know uh, i see a lot of uh, people not uh, you know focusing towards investment banking or investment overall as such so st- i think the precursor to that would be a lo- uh, you know not many people here in pakistan uh, focus towards reading start reading yeah think that would give you a, a you know you know new ideas or you know what acts what is actually happening uh, around you rather than just you know getting your tidbits from uh, the the news channels yeah or from twitter like 140 200 whatever character piece um, yes and get off tiktok <laughs> yes <laughs> okay you mentioned reading a few times there so i usually conclude my podcast by asking the guests to recommend two or three books um that they've recently read or read a long time ago but would highly recommend so you mentioned reading for people who want enter the who want to enter this market or and this industry so tell tell them about two or three books that they should go to liberty books or whatever bookstore they buy from and pick up and read well it's an interesting uh, question because uh, you know as far as business books are concerned you can get a lot of uh, books out there but uh, i would uh, you know uh, advise people to read books which are uh, you know related to the sector which i am in currently so you know i would recommend people to go and read uh, barbarians at the gate classic book it's amazing i i it's on my top top 10 of all time lists okay and uh, more money than god okay and then moneyball yeah moneyball is another classic yeah so i mean uh, moneyball teaches you you know you know you can uh, you can you can uh, quantify anything out there and whatever qualitative uh, stuff that you see around you, you you can quantify and actually make money out of it yeah that- yeah and the amazing part of that book like i mean and the movie uh, as well was when i read it um I've always wondered like you know cricket is very similar to baseball but cricket yeah. doesn't have that same data oriented approach to it and it should and it's slowly coming in but again that's a whole new industry right people in the subcontinent love cricket and if they want to be innovative they would read that book and create the money ball of cricket um in the next decade or so yeah. so Bilal thank you for joining us this was a wonderful conversation um I hope the listeners who have tuned tuned in uh enjoyed it thanks for joining for another episode of pakistanomy and we'll see you soon khuda uh, thank you for having me and allah hafiz